The National Traffic Safety Administration reported a record 2.3 million uh, intersection crashes last year due to people running red lights. And and of those 2.3 million crashes, 733,000 of those crashes resulted in injuries and 7,770 of those crashes tragically ended in, in death. And in this study that the, that the administration gave and put out, that they gave the three uh, biggest reasons that people run red lights, right? People run red lights, maybe these are your reasons, but these are the three biggest reasons after collecting all the data together. Number one, people lose patience. They're just in a hurry. And so it feels like to stop uh, you know, would, would not be right. Number two, they're already in the intersection. So hitting the brake seems unsafe or, or to stop seems more dangerous than to, to keep going. And then the third reason is that they speed up when they see a yellow light. 2.3 million people crashed because they were in a hurry. They were either going too fast to hit the brakes, or they sped up when they saw a a yellow light. Now, it's interesting how different people react differently to a yellow light, right? We know that red means stop. We know that green means go, but yellow is up for interpretation, Let's just take a quick survey in here. Just a survey. This is a safe place to admit where we are in life. Let's just take a quick survey about yellow light. How many people, when you see a yellow light, that means speed up? Let me see your hand. Come on. How many? Really? Greg Greenwood, I expected you to be a little more responsive. That really caught me off guard right there. How many of you, yellow means slow down and be safe? Let me see your hand. A couple of you guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, really up for, it's really up for interpretation. And today, we are in part four of this series, Long Hair, Don't Care, about the tragic story of Samson. And throughout this series, we have been saying that, that, that this story is about how God uses flawed people. Anybody flawed in the room? Let me see your hand. God uses flawed people and flawed people use use God. This famous childhood Bible story is a precautionary, it's a precautionary tale because all of us have some Samson in us. All of us have some Samson in us. And so what we want to know is how can we make sure that we don't crash and, and burn like Samson did? And so the first week we, we learned that to make a difference, you got to be different. To make a difference, you gotta be different. And God didn't want Samson to be like, like everybody else. And in the second week, we learned that, that why power is always stronger than, than willpower. We wanna live based on conviction and not just consequence. And then last week, we learned that whatever it is that we're afraid to talk about is eventually what everybody will be talking about if we don't talk about it, that we have to talk about those things that we don't wanna talk about. And this week, we, we finally get to the most, famous, the most famous part of Samson's story, 
Uh, we, we're going to get to Delilah. Today is about, is about Delilah. And, and we're going to be reminded again in the story today that Samson did not fall because of Delilah. Samson fell because of Samson. And we're gonna be reminded that your biggest problem is not out there somewhere. That your biggest problem is you. And that my biggest problem is is me. So we're gonna start reading together. Judges chapter 16. I'd love for you to follow along in your Bible, on your phone. Uh, Follow along, Judges chapter 16. We're gonna start with verse one. We're actually gonna read from verse one to verse 22, and then we'll stop. You know, I'm too ADD to read straight through. So we're gonna stop and just talk about some different parts of of this story, all right? And so let's get started. Judges chapter 16, verse one, and we're gonna read a little bit. This is what it says, chapter 16, verse one. It says, one day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Let's stop for just a second. There are so many different conversations we could have about the first verse of this story. We could do a sermon about prostitution. We, we, could, we could do a sermon about the dangers of going to different places that you're not supposed to be. We, we, could, we could talk about all those things, but that, we ain't got time, and that's not what the point of today is. We'll, we'll say that for another time. What I want you to notice about the first verse of this story, because we haven't got to Delilah yet. This is, a, this is a prostitute. This is not Delilah. And so what I want you to notice about this first verse is how nonchalant it talks about Samson doing this, how it's not even a big deal. Like, we read the story, and whoever's writing the story is like, yeah, one day, Samson went down to Gaza, slept with a prostitute. And, and, and this is alarming at what not a big deal it is that Samson is doing this, which would lead us to believe that this is not a new thing, because you know how terrified you are the first time you do something maybe you're not supposed to do. It doesn't seem like that's where Samson's at. It seems like Samson has a uh, uh, 10 punches in the card, get one free kind of membership to the prostitution ring in Gaza, okay? And so it just says like one day, one day Samson goes down there and, and, and we're not even to Delilah yet. And so again, just a reminder that, that Delilah was not what took Samson down. She was just the nail in the coffin, all right? Samson is what took Samson down. So let's keep reading. There we go, verse two. Word soon spread that Samson was there. Stop just one second. Just so you know, word will always spread. Just so you know, word will always spread. So whatever it is in your life right now that used to be a big deal that you did, but it's not a big deal that you do it anymore, and you've gotten so comfortable with it, but you're still able to kind of keep it private, and it's not that big a deal, just know that word always spreads. That word always eventually gets out. And part of the heaviness of sin is the management of the lies. Some of you could, if you were to share your story, you you could share that part of your story. That the heaviest parts of sin is not the acts of sin as much as it is the management of all the lies that you have to juggle to keep what you're doing a secret. And that's why so many people who get caught after years and years and years of 
you know, crime or secrets or whatever, in, in a really in a sick way, they actually feel better or free or uh, like a weight has been lifted off their shoulders because the longer you live with secrets, the heavier, the heavier things get. And so word always spread, words always gets out. And as a pastor who deals with people's stories, here's the things that are going on with you. I, I just want to echo this and just let you know that one of the reasons I don't believe in conspiracy theories is because people don't keep secrets. People do not keep secrets. Everybody tells somebody and they ask that person not to tell anybody, but that person always tells somebody because everybody's got somebody you tell something that you don't tell anybody. Are you following what I'm saying? That's just the way it works. And so word always gets out. Okay, let's read a little bit more. I'll try to make it a little farther. Here we go. Word soon spread that Samson was there. So the men of Gaza gathered together and waited all night at the town gates, and they kept quiet during the night, saying to themselves, when the light of morning comes, we will kill him. Verse three, but Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the town gate, including the two posts, and lifted them up, bar and all. He put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron. My man is a beast. He, he, he lifts the whole town gate where these men are hiding, and he carries them all the way to another town. This is another reminder that God uses flawed people. Samson gets out of the bed of a prostitute. And God still enables him with strength to do something amazing, something miraculous. Even though Samson is living a double life, he taps into these God-given abilities when he needs it. And we see this pattern over and over and over again. Now, you have never carried the gates of, of a city. You've never killed lions with your bare hands, but you know what it's like to be one person and then tap into the good version of you when you need to tap into it. Everybody in the room knows what that's like. We all have done that. And so you, you, you have the version of yourself that you probably want to be that you think is the most fun, but then if you need to tap into good mom, because that's the other side of you, so when you need to tap into good mom, you can tap into good mom, and you can keep those lives separate. Good dad, good employee, good Christian. This is what I do when I'm doing what I really want to do, but this is what I tap into when I do what I am told or I believe that I need to do. And we've all dealt with that tension. I'm gonna go out with my friends and be who I really wanna be if there were no consequences for the choices that I make. But then when I need to flip the switch and be who I need to be, I'm gonna be the bomb for my kids I need to be, the dad that I need to be, the spouse that I need to be, the Christian that I need to be, the leader that I need to be. And I will be able to manage those two lives because I'm, I'm able to do that and I'm good at juggling that. And God will still enable me to do the things that I need to do, and I'll still be able, when the time comes, to, to also do the things that I want to do. Now, we're going to find out in just a second that don't work. 
And you know it doesn't work. We all know that it doesn't work. It doesn't work forever, and here's why. Because those two people are fighting inside of you. Jesus said you cannot serve two masters. It's the idea of the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. And so there's these two people fighting inside of you. And one person is the person that you really wanted to be. It's the person that you swear would have more fun. It's the person that would be happier if you could, you know, just leave all your stresses and troubles and worries. And it's the, it's the person inside of you that, like, that gets excited about things in life. And then there's the other person who you need to be and you're convinced is boring and, and, and trapped and but it's, but it's what's necessary, and so that's what I'm gonna do, and I'll be able to juggle both of those. And, and there is this battle going on inside of you. Eventually, if you keep trying to be both people, you will end up being the person that you wanna be. You gotta know that. That if right now you're struggling with the things that you really wanna do, the person you really wanna be, and the person you feel like you need to be, eventually, the person that you want to be will win out. And if we keep reading, we're gonna find out why. It tells us in the very next verse, in verse four, it says, sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the valley of Sorek. The reason that you will eventually be the, the person that you really want to be is because you will fall in love with something that's off limits. And one of the reasons that you'll fall in love with it is because it's off limits. The things that you can't have are always more attractive than the things that you can have. So whatever is readily available to you becomes boring to you, and everything that's on the other side of the fence is really enticing. And so the more you juggle these two people that are fighting against each other, eventually, next week, next year, or next decade, eventually, you will end up pursuing and being the person that you wanna be, that you swear will make you happier, and you will fall in love with it, and you'll become convinced and infatuated with this idea that that thing that you love that's over there will be what will finally make everything better in your life. You've seen this, I've seen this, the tragic consequences of people who, who do that. And that's where Samson finds himself now, several chapters into the story, this is not a guy who is straddling the fence. This is not a guy who is really doing the things he needs to be doing with God but has a couple of struggles over here. No, Samson is not struggling. Samson is doing exactly what Samson wants to do. He's living the life that he wants to live. Now, here's an interesting fact. Do you remember the vow that we talked about? We've talked about it each week in this series that, that before Samson was ever born, uh, the angel showed up to his mom and said there are three things he can't do. Number one, he cannot uh, drink wine. Number two, he can't touch dead animals. And number three, he cannot cut his hair. We've talked about this each week. This is the Nazarite vow. This is Samson's code, the thing that he has to live by. And we've already learned that he's not really committed to that because he doesn't really have why power. We've talked about that a little bit. He's hanging out in vineyards. He's touching dead lions. Well, you'll never guess what the word sorek means because in verse four, we just read, sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the valley of, of Sorek. And, and sometimes the Bible is just so amazing, it just kind of teaches itself. You'll never guess what the word sorek means. Sorek is an Arabic word translated as, you ready for this? A choice vine with colored grapes. 
that the town that Samson is now going to to be with Delilah, the town name means vineyard with grapes. And so maybe up to this point in the series, you've assumed that my concern for Samson in the beginning was just this overreaction. You're you're making a big deal out out of nothing. The fact that he was walking through the vineyards, no big deal. The fact that, that he was scooping honey from a carcass, no big deal. Not the best choice, but a far cry from, from sin. Well, do you see the trend now in Samson's life? Have you spotted the pattern? Learn from Samson so you don't make the same mistake. You will never accidentally end up in a place of obedience in your life. You will never accidentally end up in the right place because life is designed and sin is designed to get you to gradually compromise one step at a time. Life is designed to get you to feel more comfortable with with compromise. Samson the man that God chose to be the the judge and the leader who was told not to drink wine, fell in love with a woman from the land of grapes. It's ironic, isn't it? But we shouldn't be surprised because you are what you eat. You are what you eat. What you keep feeding your mind determines where you'll end up. Some of you in the room, you're not happy at the place in life that you are, and you find yourself where we've already been talking about, this conflict where you're, you're certain, you're sure that what's over there is better than what you have. Freedom from the obligation of marriage or freedom from the obligation of parenting or freedom from a job or freedom from boundaries in your life. You're so convinced that what's out there is better. And can I tell you why you are so certain it's better? is because that's what you keep feeding your mind is true. You keep looking at only the benefits over there and only the the setbacks here, only the positives over there and only the negatives where you are. And if you keep feeding your mind those choices, of course you're gonna end up over there because all you have told yourself is, that's better, that's better, that's better, that's better, that's better. That is better than whatever God told me was off limits. And so Samson has been feeding his mind and it is determining the direction of his life. And so what happens next is one of the most tragic stories, the tragic, most tragic passages or or sections in the Bible. We're gonna read it, but, but Delilah sells him out for money and eventually cuts his hair And Samson is captured, and he realizes that he has made a terrible mistake, but it was too late. Let's read verse five. This is what it says. It says, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely, then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. That's good money. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. And Samson replied, if I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have not yet been dried, 
I would become as weak as anyone else. Random fact, you don't need to necessarily know this, but if you go back, we skipped the story because we don't have time. But he had already, there was already a story in his past where he had been tied up with bowstrings and he broke it easily. And so the first thing that he tells Delilah is something that he's already conquered and defeated in his life. It's just a little side note for you. And verse eight, so the Philistine rulers brought Delilah seven new bowstrings and she tied Samson up with them. Verse nine, she had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of her house and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps when it is burned by fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Now stop for for just a second because listen, we all make mistakes, okay? I don't wanna be too hard on Samson. We all make mistakes and we all have allowed love and lust to cause us to do some crazy things, okay? But if you were with a girl and she sweet-talked you into giving away your, your secret and then while you slept, she tried to have you killed, she gotta go. She gotta go. She's crazy, okay? She's got to go. So I'm not Samson, and I've never been woken up and attacked, but I, 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 I do believe that if that were the case in my life, she gotta go because, because she just tried to kill me. She didn't, she didn't like, ha, I got a joke. No, no, she tried to kill him, okay? She tried to kill him. And, and, and that's like being in a relationship with somebody and they say, like, are you allergic to anything? And you're like, peanuts. And then for dinner that night, there's peanuts in the dinner. Gotta go, gotta go. This, this is where you would think Samson would be like, Delilah, I love you, but you're crazy. And uh, I'm breaking up with you. We're, we're done, we're, we're done. But he doesn't do it. Why would Samson not do it? Because Samson is not threatened. Samson, no matter what he faces, cannot imagine a scenario where he would ever give up his real secret. It doesn't matter what Delilah would ever try to do because I will be a, I'll be fine, I'm not threatened. I'll never tell her the truth. He believes, Samson believes that he will always be in control and can always turn any situation around. So let's keep reading, verse 10. Afterward, Delilah said to him, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. And that's where if I was Samson, I'd be like, you tried to kill me. But he he doesn't, he doesn't. Now please tell me how you can be tied up securely. Samson's like, the last time I told you that, you tried to kill me. No, that's not what he says. Samson replied, if I were tied up with um, brand new ropes that have never been used, I would become as weak as anyone else. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him up with them, and the men were hiding in the inner room as before, and again, Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But again, Samson snapped the ropes from his arms as if they were thread. Okay, maybe the first time you get the benefit of the doubt. She was just playing. She's just playing. She's, she's got a sense of humor, crazy. She's just a kid. But she just tried to kill him again, all right? But Samson isn't scared. He's not threatened. 
he is so overconfident uh, in his ability to be able to manage any scenario that he would find himself in that he is not threatened. Let's keep reading. Verse 13. Then Delilah said, you've been making fun of me and telling lies. And that's where Samson could have said, you tried to kill me twice. But he doesn't. Now tell me how you can be tied up securely. And Samson replied, if you were to weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric on your loom and tighten it with the loom shuttle, I would become as weak as anyone else. So while he slept, Delilah wove seven braids of his hair into the fabric, and then she tightened it with the loom. Dude must have been a heavy sleeper. You know what I mean? My man, when he's out, he's out. You know what I mean? And so, again, she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson woke up, pulled back the loom shuttle, and yanked his hair away with the loom and the fabric. This is, um, this is interesting because if you're paying attention, you are, seeing, you are seeing the erosion of Sam's, the distance between Samson's lies and Samson's secret. You notice that? So the first time he's like, oh yeah, bowstrings. He's already defeated bowstrings. Bowstrings ain't no big deal. New rope, he had already defeated new rope. An enemy had tied him up with rope before. He knew that was no problem. But the third time now, he doesn't say cut my hair that's his secret. He's never going to tell his secret, but he does say braid my hair. Do you see the pattern that is developing that the distance between his secret and the lies he's telling is getting closer and closer and closer? He did not and has not revealed his secret, but if they were playing Marco Polo, she's getting really, really close. Verse 15, keep reading. Then Delilah pouted. Okay, you tried to kill me. Why are you, what did I do wrong? You, are, you have attempted murder. But she's pouting. How can you tell me I love you when you don't let me kill you? That's not what she says. She says, how can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now. And he could have said, you tried to kill me three times. But he doesn't. And you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. Verse 16, she tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Verse 17, finally. Everybody say finally. 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 Nagging, tormented, day after day. Finally, 25 years later into his life, finally after trips through the vineyard, honey from lions, nights with prostitutes, secrets with Delilah, living in towns he's not supposed to live in, not honoring his parents, not sharing what he's going through. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. Now, we talked about this um, last week, that there is a pattern to sin. And the pattern to sin is that we see something, we want it, 
we get it, we let it grow, and eventually it grows bigger than us and kills us. That is what James says is the pattern of sin. We see it, we want it, we get it, we let it grow, it grows bigger than us, it kills us. That's what has finally happened to Samson. And I'm sure if you had asked him, Samson, is there ever a scenario? I mean, let's just play, let's just play worst case, Samson. Let's just say, would you rather, let's play would you rather. If there, is there ever a scenario where you would tell someone your secret? Samson would have said, I would never do that. I wouldn't, yeah, okay, I probably could make better decisions, but hear me, trust me, I would never do that. I would never do that. And he would have meant it. He wasn't been lying. He would have meant it. In Samson's mind, everything was okay because there was a line that he would never cross. He would never do that. And maybe that's where you are today. Yeah, you know, you're, you're breaking some rules, cutting some corners, but everything is under control. You still have a few things that you are convinced that you will never do. Th those things are too far. Like, yeah, you make it, but, but not those things. I'll never do those things. I'll never cross that line. And, and, and you think to yourself, I will never do that. Well, Samson's story teaches us something different. Samson's story teaches us that if you keep doing what you know you shouldn't do, you end up doing what you said you'd never do. If you keep doing what you know you shouldn't do, you'll end up doing what you said you'd never do. The gap between the line and the management of the lies will close and close and close and close. Because when you do things, keep doing things that you, you know you shouldn't do, you end up doing what you said you'd never do. You'd ne Listen, yes, you have fudged on a few things, but you'd never steal. You would never steal the money. You would never sleep with your friend's spouse. Like, y'all been flirting, y'all been texting a little bit, but I, I'm, I would never do that. I would never cheat on my spouse. Like, I, I've got some outlets because things are not great at home, but what I'll never do is, is cheat on them. I'll never break the law. I, I, I would never do that drug. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I do some drug. Like, it's just an escape. Life's kind of tough right now. But I, I, I do something, but, but those drugs, I'll never do those drugs. I'll never, I'll never do that. I'll never do that. And listen, I'm not trying to scare you. And if you've only been here for the last two weeks, these have been some pretty alarming sermons. I hope you get the whole context of the series. I'm not trying to scare you, but I am trying to warn you. Whether you believe it or not, one day you will have your finally moment. Finally, finally, just like Samson. And finally, you will do what you said you'd never do because you kept doing what you knew you shouldn't do. So let, let's keep reading. I, I wanna just finish this story for you. Verse 17. 
So finally, Samson shares his secret. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Delilah realized what, Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth. It's almost as if there was a look on Samson's face that he knew he had crossed the line. Like, like she saw his face after he said it and was like, he just did it. He just did it. So she said, come back one more time, for he has finally told me the secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands, and Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair, because my man's a deep sleeper. And in this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when he woke up, he thought, I will do as before. I'll shake myself free. But he did not realize the Lord had left him. Samson's plan was to call on God when he needed him and ignore him when he didn't. Samson's plan was to get it together when the time came to get it together. Samson's plan was to do whatever he wanted but never cross that line. That was Samson's plan, but it was a flawed plan. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes, so they took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. Those words, Samson didn't realize the Lord had left him, were so haunting. Samson's plan was to get it together whenever he needed to get it together, but that never works. And so next week, we're gonna finish this series and just to tease, before Samson dies, he gets to redeem himself, which is good. If you find yourself in a place where you feel like you failed and lost it, next week will be a great sermon for you. But I think it's worth pointing out that God was not punishing Samson by allowing Samson to be captured. Samson was captured and his eyes were gouged out, but that was not God punishing Samson because God still wanted to use Samson. And so in order for God to continue and still use Samson, God had to give Samson the two things he needed the most, humility and blindness. Because Samson thought he was the greatest thing ever, and Samson could not stop looking at beautiful women. And God says, I still want to use you, so I'm going to humble you, and I'm going to take your eyes out, so you'll stop looking at prostitutes and stop thinking that you're the greatest thing ever. And if I could ever humble you and blind you, I can use you. And so maybe you're here today, and you think all the bad things that are happening in your life is punishment from God. It's not. It's not. God loves you too much to let you get away with it. If it takes jail, losing your health, losing your reputation, losing your family, losing your job, losing your friends, losing your money, losing your driver's license to help you become who you were born to be, he'll do it every time. Every time, he'll do it. He'll do it because he loves you too much. So here's the question, we're gonna pray. Here's the question. Is anything you're doing now, in the direction of something you swear you'll never do. Let me ask it again. Is, is anything you're doing now 
in the direction, maybe it's like 10 miles away, but is anything you're doing now in the direction of something that you swear you'll never do? Because if you keep doing what you know you shouldn't do, you'll end up doing what you, you swear or you said you'd never do. Turn around. Get up out of the bed. Leave Delilah's house. Leave Sorek. Go back home. Run away. Let's pray.